Turn in your Bibles to the New Testament, the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse number 22. Stumbling block or stepping stone? Paul writes and says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? And in parentheses, he says, I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. Close to death, more often. Of the Jewish people, Five times received I forty stripes, save one. Three times was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned, left for dead. Thrice I suffered shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water. Let's use the word danger. In dangers of robbers, in dangers by my own countrymen, in danger by, my, by the heathen, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness, in dangers in the sea, in danger among false brethren. See, you just thought Paul was some guy in the stained glass window somewhere that wrote all this from the French Riviera. No, it didn't happen that way. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst often, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness often, besides all those things that are without, that which comes upon me daily, the care of all of the churches. Father, we ask and pray, Lord, that you would, um, within the first five minutes of this sermon, I'm praying, God, that every person here would be focused so they could get the remainder of this sermon. Still every heart, I'm asking and praying, God, that you'd quieten every, every child, every baby, that you would illuminate the minds of every person here to hear and to receive this, your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Stumbling block or a stepping stone? Paul writes, the care of all the churches. My question is, how did he rise to that level? The care of all the churches was put upon Paul. And you say, well, there's some prestige in that. Well, I'm sure there were, but there were also a lot of responsibility that went along with that as well. The family that moved from Kansas to where everything is flat as a, how many ever drove through Kansas? flat as a tabletop. Somebody drove Stevie Wonder one time in a limo through, I mean, it'll just, it, just, it just sucked the soul right out of you, that state will. They drove him through the state of Kansas, and when he got out on the other side, he was a white man. It just, I mean, it's just nothing there, just nothing there. And his family moved from Kansas to West Virginia. And while that they were there, the little boy and little girl, his sister, were out in the backyard and they were playing, and they'd never seen anything like this before. 
I mean, it's up and down and through hollers and all these different things. And, and the little girl, she's just getting plum tuckered out. And she said, this ain't no pathway at all. This is just a bunch of bumps. And her brother said, looked at her sister just with a big smile on his face and said, no, the bumps are what you climb on. There is two different of opinions of the same thing that they were facing. No, what are all these bumps for? And he said, the bumps are what you climb on. Parents, let me tell you something that you know instinctively and you know deep down, but although we like, sometimes we try to push that out of our, the back of our mind. Here's what it is. Where you are at in your life right now, it is the sum total of all the bumps you've had to climb on. And what we want to do for little Billy and little Susie is we want to smooth out all of the rough places. Oh, we don't want him to ever have a bad day. Oh, the teacher just treats my little Billy so bad. Me and Doc was talking the other day. Uh, Doc Harrison, it used to be when you got a whipping at school, you got one at home. I don't think that's the philosophy anymore. You've done my little Bobby bad, and I'm going to get, now I'm going to make you pay. The sum total of everything you've been through is where you're at right now, and you are not doing your child any favors whatsoever by smoothing out every bump in the road. In ministry, the man or woman that wants everything easy and everything just spoon-fed and everything comes so natural and it's just so easy and I'll never have a rough day or a rough time in this. This is why you get right down to it. You don't see as many ministers' sons accomplish as much as what dad did. And I'm talking about on a national scale because dad had to suffer to get there. Thank you very much. <laughs> You'll never get anywhere in ministry if it's all just handed to you. And I'm hoping I'm speaking plain enough for everybody to get this. And deep down, you know that's right. Paul said he had the care of all of the churches. Paul, how did you get there? Because how I got there was things that was meant for me to make me stumble. I used them as a stepping stone to climb a little bit higher. And that's what God wants to get us all. In prison, often, five times I received 39 stripes. This man had on his back 195 lashes across his back. He was not having an easy, greasy life going through life and a limo picking him up and taking him to his next gig. And everybody said, oh, it's Paul. There were people that hated that man. He kept right on. He kept right on. Three times, he, Paul would say, they beat me with a brass rod. Once they tried stoning me to death. You can read about it in the book of Acts. 
the church had gathered around him and there's a pile of stones with Paul underneath it and they are singing a hymn and what happened? They see one rock move and another rock move and another rock move and that man gets up from a pile of rubble that was on top of him and goes and preaches to the next city. They couldn't even kill this guy. Now, Paul had a secret that kind of like what Simon Peter had. Simon Peter is sound asleep in the prison cell with Herod wanting to kill him the next day, but Simon Peter's sound asleep, so much sound asleep that the Bible says the angel has to hit him to wake him up. Simon Peter, time to get up. No, I went dead. He hit him to wake him up. Now, what does Simon Peter know? Simon Peter knows. Well, you know, I'm not even 30 years old yet. And Jesus said, when I am old, I will die. He had a secret there. He knew nothing that Rome could do to him could kill him. Paul had a secret. He knew that nothing that Rome or anybody else, Judaizers, countrymen, uh, people that were heathen, nobody could kill him because Jesus had told him, I will get you to Caesar. That hadn't happened yet. I love the movie Abraham because in that movie, his uh, servant, Eleazar, is going to go and do something dangerous. And he tells Abraham's going to do it. And Eleazar says, no, stay here. It could be harmful to you. And Abraham grabs Eleazar's arm and says, don't worry. I haven't had my son yet. He believed God. He believed God. He knew that he wasn't going to die. His time was not yet because he had not fathered a child yet. He was believing God. The same way with Simon Peter. He was believing God. The same way with uh, uh, Paul the Apostle. He was believing God. This man was three times he had been shipwrecked. Well, you know, I just thought that if you did everything for Jesus, he makes everything real nice. Years ago, and I was just a teenager, but... Hey, years ago, years ago, I was just a teenager, years ago. And every Wednesday night, a different person could volunteer to lead the Wednesday night service. And, man, I prayed about that. I, I'd got the preacher that I wanted to get, and I'd spent a lot of time in prayer about this thing. And, and how we did it there was, uh, who's got a song? You got a song? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your aunt got a song? Come on up. Yeah, your uncle? Come on up. The dog outside? Come on. You got to bring him in. You got a song? Get a song? You don't have a stuff? Go out there to the truck and get your stuff. Bring it on back in. Who's got a song? You got a song over here? Song? 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 Got a song? I just really had felt going into that service that I wasn't going to do that. That I felt God had prompted three or four people in my spirit that that's who I was going to get to sing that night. So I called on that person to sing, that person, that person, and that person, and then I got the preacher up there, and he preached. Oh, my. I had a guy come to me and say, uh, Billy Bob's uncle was here, and he had a song, and he's from out of state. He didn't get to sing. He, everybody's really mad. I said, well, you know, and here I am. I'm, I'm a teenager. I don't, I don't, I'm Teenagers, I was a teenager and I didn't know nothing either then. Uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, you know, I prayed about it and, 
And, I mean, that guy, when he told me that night, it just, I mean, it just kind of wilted me down. And I said, you know, I prayed about this and really, you know, thought I had the mind of God. Listen, buddy, if you would have prayed about it and really had the mind of God, nobody's feelings would have got hurt. And I'm like, oh, man, maybe that's right. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's right. Absolutely, that's wrong. That's wrong. You look at the life of Jesus and see how many people that were upset by what he said and by what he done. I knew then. I mean, that was a learning lesson for me to know just because you're doing the will of God, it may not go exactly as easy as you thought it once would. Just like this sermon. So what do you got to do? You got you to press on. Paul said, I floated night and day in the Mediterranean Sea. Sharks probably circling him and everything else. But him knowing, I haven't been to Caesar yet. I know I'm not going to die. In danger of thieves. In danger of my own people. In danger of the heathen. In danger from the city. In danger from the country. In danger in the sea. In danger among false brethren. In weariness often. In pain often. In hunger often. In thirst often. In cold and nakedness often. And then he says, I have the care of all the churches. Preacher, I'm not going to be able to make it next Sunday because, well, I got a hangnail. <laughs> I hope to God in judgment you don't have to stand next to Paul. <laughs> with everything that he was willing to put up with and to fight and the things that was meant to throw a stumbling block in his way, he used as a stepping stone to where God said, this is a man I can trust and I can use. Stumbling block, stepping stone. No, I'm not going to be able to make it. There's just so much snow on the ground. I'll tell you what's happened to America. The chickification of America. That's what's happening. Everybody's getting chickified. <laughs> Instead of a bunch of wimps, if God had a bunch of warriors, there's no telling what the church could do. <laughs> Preacher's too difficult. I'm going to quit. That's the stumbling block that the little girl saw. That's the bump in the road that the little girl saw. The brother seen that and said, hey, the bumps, they're what you climb on. Thank God. Let me add this. The bumps are what you climb on. The bumps are the only way you can climb. Let's call these steps bumps. If this thing was slick as glass, slick as snot, and it was just no bumps. All It was just kind of at a 45-degree at a angle. They wouldn't be, but maybe, they wouldn't be very many people being able to get up on that platform. This praise team, oh, I don't know, four or five of them might, two or three of them might have got up there. 
But if this thing was a 45 degree, just slick as can be, they wouldn't have been no getting up there. The bumps are what you climb on. This is how and why God was able to use Paul as having the care of all the churches because this guy had went through the battle. This guy was battle tested. This guy had went through the war. And God said, there's a guy that no matter what is thrown at him, he will not crumble and he will not fold. All the difficulties getting Centralia Branch started. Was that the will of God? I certainly believe that it was for us to go to Centralia. And man, the logic is, well, if it's of God, it's going to be real easy. We'll, we'll drive over there and the Crystal Cathedral will be there. And we, they'll give it to us for two bucks. And it'll be, oh. I don't ever see it working that way. Didn't work that way for Paul. Didn't. Every man and woman that you know that is, that is a man or a woman of character, that is a man or woman that you could say that person, I would, I would take it to the bank that they are honest, that they are faithful, that they are of good Christian sound judgment. They got there through climbing up the bumps in the road and what was meant for a stumbling block and they used it for a stepping stone and that's why they can be trusted today. Now, again, Centralia Branch. Well, you know, preacher, we looked at six or seven places. It looks just like this is too difficult. We might as well just forget about this. Maybe we're just shooting a little bit over our head here. I mean, Orchardville is just why it ain't even on the map. People tell me that. Like, I don't know that. I know it's not on the map. Johnsonville is, but Orchardville's not. I don't get, I don't get it. I know it's not on the map. Well, you know, it's just, it's just more difficult than we thought it would be. I'll grant you three years later, three years in April, I bet you the people of Centralia are glad that I didn't wimp out and I didn't listen to all the naysayers and the people that were poo-pooing everything we were trying to do. We went ahead and done it anyway. I bet they're glad for that. Amen. Now, we're on to... Fairfield Branch to infinity and beyond is where we're going. We're going to Fairfield Branch. Guess what happened? We've looked at five or six different places. Everything hadn't worked out exactly like most people figured, but it's in the back of my mind. We had difficulty at Centralia. Paul had difficulty all his life. I bet it'll be difficult going over at Fairfield too. Guess what happened? Difficult going to Fairfield too. Well, you know, it just ain't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And I just think maybe we ought to just kind of cancel this out. Maybe we ought to go somewhere else. Maybe it's just too difficult. I'm telling you, a year from now, the people of Fairfield are going to be glad that I didn't listen to the naysayers and the poo-pooers. I mean, it's amazing to me that people get this in everything else in their life except church. Everything else except their Christian experience. 
Every person here at Centralia Branch that's got a business has realized they have had bumps to climb on and they have had some stumbling blocks in their way, but they have used them if they're successful to get to where they want to go. That somehow computes in everything except church. Well, it's kind of hard and difficult. It must not be God's will. It's a way for the quitter to quit. Here, this is an ink pen, but act like this is a pencil. Well, last week we acted like there were two buckets here, so you can do this. I just don't feel lead. I don't feel lead. Get you a pencil, put it in your pocket. Take it out and feel lead. <laughs> feel lead. I think the church needs just some downright grit in their life, and no matter what the devil throws at them, they're going to go ahead and accomplish it and not look for some, some, some pseudo-Christian idea that they can, they can throw out there to where they can just flee at the first drop of the hat of any kind of setback or any kind of, of danger, any kind of criticism. We can just opt out and say, we don't want to. We don't want to do this anymore because God's not in it anymore. You sissy. I've been thanking God for the bumps here lately. Because it's the only way that I can climb higher. God don't intend for me to have it just peachy keen and everything great every single day of my life. You know, one guy told me, or one gal told me one time, you wouldn't understand, you're a preacher. I said, lady, the further up the mountain you go, the harder the wind blows to knock you off. Don't tell me I don't understand. That's what I told Kay last night. That's what... Rick Stratton, a buddy of mine, preacher over at Salem, got throat cancer. Uh, he's had 28 radiation treatments. The doctor told him, said, Rick, this is what happens when you got the throat of someone that's been smoking and drinking all of their life. Rick would tell me this, and he said, preacher, I should have been smoking and drinking, I guess, all my life. <laughs> on, his, on a blog that he had in all of these different treatments, and I went through them, and one of them was just really, it was a heartfelt thing. It showed, he had took a picture of the door, and it said, danger, radiation. And he went in for the treatment that day, and on that day that he took that picture, he talked to a nurse, and he said, this is the first time that that happened in that degree to where she had really opened up and allowed me to really talk with her. He said, we talked about the Lord, and I just laid out the plan of salvation to her. He said, you know, she didn't go ahead and pray, but she readily understood everything I was saying. He said, when I walked back out of that treatment, he said, I turned and looked at the door again. He said, the sign should have been opportunity. Man, that's good. That's good. That's not letting the stumbling block get the best of you. 
He used that as a stepping stone. Thank God for that. Look at the life of Joseph. Joseph becomes second only to Pharaoh. How? Bumps. I mean, when your own brothers sell you into slavery, that's a bad day. Then he gets to Potiphar's house. He is steward over all Potiphar has. And the wicked woman, Potiphar's wife, falsely accuses that man, and he goes to prison for 12 years. He knows what the man's dream is. He says, make sure that you, when you get out, you tell, the, you tell the Pharaoh that I can be released. The man never said anything about it. For 12 years, this man is there. Stumbling block or a stepping stone. The Bible says, and while Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. Wonderful verse. And Joseph used the things, adversities, troubles, trials, problems, hardships. He used each one of them as a stepping stone to get to where God wanted him eventually to be. And where God wanted him to be was not just to be a prince of Israel, but to be a prince of Egypt. To where he had control basically over the known civilized world. Second only to Pharaoh. And all of that happened because the guy had fortitude and was willing to climb up the bumps in the road. Making the incense for the tabernacle. That incense had to be crushed. Had to be crushed. And then it was used. There may be times in our life where we feel like we're going through the crucible and we're being crushed. And if that's the case, I'm here to tell you, based on the authority of God's word, it's for a purpose that we may not even know yet. You think Joseph had all this figured out? I do not. But he had integrity in his heart and he believed God. And eventually he became second only to Pharaoh. Every person that's called into a pulpit ministry, I want you to know it's not going to be easy. It will be exciting. It will be challenging. It will be frustrating at times. It will even be fun at times, but it'll never be easy. John Bunyan. Trivia question. What did he write? Pilgrim's Progress. John Mayberry got that one right. Pilgrim's Progress. Twelve years inside Bedford Jail. His little black-headed uh, 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 daughter, 12-year-old daughter, came to him one, on one occasion and said, Daddy, they've said that they'll release you and you can get out of this jail. And he said, Great, honey. And then she said, All you got to do is promise not to preach when you get out. And he said, I can't do that. And when she left, the guards came up to his cell and said, Bunyan, we are not evil men. We will let you out of here. All you've got to do is promise, don't preach at Bedford Square. Don't do that, and we'll let you out. And he said, gentlemen, if you let me out of Bedford jail tonight, I will be in Bedford Square tomorrow preaching the gospel. For 12 years, he stayed there. Do you think 
we would have Pilgrim's Progress second only to the Bible in total sales of any book ever been written. And if you haven't read it, shame on you, get it and read it. You think we had had that book without Bedford Jail? We would not have. What God did with that man, he was able to use the stumbling block that was meant to crush him, and it got him higher and higher and higher and higher where God could really use him. Oh, this guy, he's really got a lot of talent. I'm telling you, talent can be a stumbling block. He's really got a lot of charisma. Charisma can be a stumbling block. Oh, he's really got good looks. That's what people say about me all the time. It's not that funny. Good looks can be a stumbling block. But I'm telling you what will work every time, and I know this in my own life because there have been some times where quit has looked really, really good. And when the world doubts me, that's one thing. That's water off a duck's back. But when the church doubts me and when the church leadership doubts me, that's quite another. And there are times that quit looks good, but the only thing I've got going for me, it is not charisma, and it's not good looks, and it's not a shapely shape, and it's not a lot of talent. It is I don't quit. That's about the only thing i got going for me. That's it. That and I like to read. That's about it. The farmer's mule that fell down into an empty well. How many of you ever heard this story? All right, everybody else, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> he accidentally fell down in the well, and the farmer couldn't get him out. The farmer didn't really know what to do, and he was just at a loss, and, and he just didn't, he go, well, I just don't know what to do. So he just, of all things, he just took a bunch of trash and just threw down onto the, onto the mule. And the mule just, just shook it off and just stomped it down and rose up a little bit higher. And the farmer looked at that. He started calling all of his farmer buddies. They all came over and they started throwing their trash down there and the mule just shook it off and smashed it all down and rose up a little bit higher. He calls all the neighbors around. They bring their trash and they throw down on and the mule just shakes it off and he smashes it down and he raises up a little bit higher. He calls all the people in the community and all the people in the county hear about this and they just start coming and they're throwing their trash and it lands on the mule and he shakes it off and he smashes it down and he raises up a little bit higher and finally about that last load and he threw it in there and he shook it off and he smashed it down and he jumped out of the well and nobody ever seen a mule again. <laughs> David Livingston, how many's heard Dr. Livingston, I presume? David Livingston served the people of Africa for 30 years. When he died, here comes the dignitaries of England because He's going to be buried in Westminster Abbey where the kings and the queens and the poets of England are buried. And the people of Africa beg, beg them, don't do it. He was with us for 30 years. He loved England. His heart was here. Don't do it. And they said, tomorrow we take his body back. We'll put it on a ship and he'll be buried in Westminster Abbey. That night... On the chieftain's orders, 
two Africans snuck inside the tent and they cut his chest open and removed his heart. To this day, imagine this. If you would happen to go to London sometime and go to Westminster Abbey and you see where David Livingston is buried, his body is buried there. His heart is buried in Africa. Why were they that adamant about that? It's because what everybody else on the planet, Africa, they considered a stumbling block. Livingston looked at it as a stepping stone. These people need to hear. These people need to hear. His heart is buried in Africa. Every person here, you have a choice. Either problems in your life is going to be a stumbling block or they're going to be a stepping stone. It's not up to your mom or dad to make that choice. It's up to you. It's up to you. Bow your heads, please. Father, we're thankful for the truth of your word. Lord, for the validity of this word. Knowing God, then we get this down in our spirit. We will not be a quitter. But Lord, we'll be an overcomer. God will be willing and able to take those very things that is meant to knock us down and to knock us back. We can use those stumbling blocks as a stepping stone to rise a little bit higher. Help us, God, to do that. Put that, put that mindset in each and every one of us today. Lord, if there are people here this morning that are unsaved, I am praying, God, that they would feel your uh, knock upon their heart. And Lord God, today would be the day that they have made that vow to you and said yes to your amazing grace. We are praying that that be true. In Jesus' name, God, make that a truth. Make that a truth. Make that a truth in every person's heart here today that you are certainly Lord and we need you. Amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I saw Jesus